Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Collazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Collazo, here with my co-host, Jeff Walston. How's it going, my friend? Well, great. I hope all the listeners out there, you guys are doing you're killing it this work week and you're making deals and you're investing and you're still pushing that, that needle forward. I wanted to congratulate you and thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, but on my note over here, business is great. Uh, it's still moving. I'm excited to finish the year out strong um, and personal life couldn't be better. Uh, it, it might be, uh, I just don't see it, but right now it's the great uh, and excited about Raphael's wedding. So um, it's coming up. Uh, in November, as this probably will be airing, uh, maybe after or during the wedding, uh, we're not sure there, but we'll it'll definitely be around there. Uh, but other than that, how's it going over there for you, Raphael? Good man, good. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just do a huge blast of the last several episodes on my wedding day, just so you guys have a bunch. No, I'm just kidding. No, we won't do that. But but you know, it, it is coming up, and we're really excited about uh, you know it, being able to celebrate with you and everyone else uh, in Puerto Rico is where it's going to be and. Really excited to 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 begin uh, a life with someone. You know, you had had a wedding earlier this year, um, so you know I'm looking forward to kind of having the 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 married bliss, as they say. So, uh, but speaking of just a great uh, conversation, uh, we really did have a phenomenal conversation with Norm Doucette. He's the head of of America's Flexible Workspace at Cushman Wakefield. Um, you know, we had a phenomenal conversation. He he's been with Cushman the last several years. Uh, really building out their flexible workspace uh, strategy division. He comes from a strategy consulting background, and so he kind of has leveraged that experience into now getting into the the uh, the strategy side on on the brokerage end to be able to support you know their their frontline uh, brokers as they start uh, you know providing additional services to their clients. And as we one thing we mainly talked about in this uh, discussion is the the office landscape and how it's shifted since COVID and you know, as more and more employers have started to rethink how they're going to come back to the office, you know, the, this this idea of flexible workspace has become ever more prevalent. And again, it's 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 a concept that has been around for many, many, many years, but it's now become much more of a, you know, a mainstream type of idea as far as, you know, what clients are asking for on on the brokerage end. And so, you know, we talked touched a little bit on, you know, what flexible workspace is. You know how it's evolved since COVID, how the evolution of the space has 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 really transitioned over the last several years. Uh, what initiatives him and his his uh, company at Cushman Wakefield have really taken on in order to become a leader in that space as it as it becomes a much more prevalent topic amongst the commercial real estate industry. And finally, we touched on you know his his foresight as far as what the the industry was going to is going to look like over the next 5 to 10 years the evolution of the office space and then ultimately you know the social media aspect one of the reasons that 
we were able to connect through Norm was through LinkedIn, and he's been very heavily involved on the platform and been able to provide a lot of great insight to the industry. And so he kind of explains his insights pertaining to how he leverages the platforms that he operates in to then provide as much value as he can to the, to a broader audience as a whole. So I thought it was a great discussion. Norm is a super personable guy, and I'm looking forward to eventually making it up to Chicago. That's where he's 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 headquartered at, and so you know, looking forward nice. to potentially see him, grab a brew, and you know continue to maintain a good, good relationship long-term. So, uh, you know, Jeff, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'm excited for everyone to, to listen to this podcast. I, I didn't get to get on here, but I, I respect everyone's time just as I respect my own. So I wanted Raphael to go ahead and, you know, so we, we both value their everyone's time. So, uh, he went ahead and did the podcast without me, but, uh, other than that, uh, I wanted to say, we appreciate you guys listening to this podcast um, it, it is a free podcast. Uh, I say that over and over, but it is. Uh, and because w- one thing that stands out and one of the main reasons we created this podcast is to inform the masses about commercial real estate. And in order to do that, we implore you to go out and recommend the podcast to at the very least one person, you know, how about five of your friends, you know, they might enjoy the podcast. You might not think they're interested uh, but, you know, they they could uh, it might awaken their investment gene that they didn't know they have and see the the benefits of uh, commercial real estate and how it can change your life. So uh, if you guys can recommend the podcast to one of your friends or colleagues, we'd greatly appreciate it. Raphael? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll kind of reiterate what you just said. I mean, it really does make a huge difference by you guys sharing with someone you think would gain value from it. You know, we, we talk about the network effect and that, you know, if you if you connect one person to the podcast, they could connect five people and then they connect however many people. And it just creates this web effect where they can continue to reach a broader, broader audience. And that's ultimately our goal. So if you could share it with someone that you know, that obviously makes a big difference. And along with that, if you guys don't mind, we would greatly appreciate it if you leave a five-star review. It does make a huge impact in our ability to reach a broader audience as well. So if you guys don't mind, don't do this while you're driving or doing something that requires your attention. But if you're able to go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, or maybe even Spotify and do the same thing. It does make a huge impact on our ability to reach the best, broadest audience possible. So uh, thank you all so much for your support. It really does mean the world to us. So without, but without further ado, let's go ahead and dive onto the podcast. Well, hey, Norm, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning. Good to see you as well. That's awesome. Yeah. So for those of you guys who don't know, uh, where are you tuning in from today, uh, Norm? Chicago, Illinois, awesome. Our, uh, the global headquarters of Cushman and Wakefield. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful city. I had a chance to be out there to visit some friends um, back in 2014. And I've been back since just to explore the city, especially during the time where uh, it's nicer out. We do the river walk um, yeah. area. So it's really a really cool city. I really enjoy uh, Chicago very much. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really great place. Not, not so much in February, uh, but this time of year, it's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's great to see we're, we're kind of on, I think, on the tail end of, uh, you know, COVID. So the streets are a little bit more crowded. Uh, our festivals all happen this year, including Lollapalooza. So it looks like, you know, city's kind of getting back to quote unquote normal. That's great. No, and it's, it's good to see. And, and I, I, I went to New York City relatively recently, just, just this past year. And you could see the vibrancy starting to come back uh, to major cities. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what that means for the future uh, as far as work and also play. So that's uh, 
you know, and we're obviously honored to have you on the show. I know you, you're, you're an extremely busy individual. So uh, what we typically do when we first get started with the podcast is we like to learn a little bit more about the person that's across the table from us. So if you don't mind kind of sharing a little bit about your, about your backstory, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. So um, uh, I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, so I'm originally not from Chicago. I'm originally from uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, and I was born and raised there, went to college there, uh, both grad school and undergrad. Um, joined the Marine Corps, so I spent about 10 years in the Marine Corps, um, left the Marine Corps, uh, didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, so I ended up being a, a sales rep for a medical company, sales company for a while, so I saw a lot of surgeries as a result of that, uh, which, which made me terrified of surgery, um, and then I got into consulting, so my background uh, really is in strategy consulting, strategic consulting, uh, did that for a very long time. And uh, Cushman Wakefield was actually a client of mine for about five years before I joined the firm. Uh, back in, I joined the firm in 2020 in January, so right before the pandemic, uh, when, when uh, we thought at the time, uh, you know, flexible office or, or co-working um, was, was gonna really be a, a core part of our strategy. So I joined, joined the firm to do strategy and operations, COVID hit, um, we made some changes and I took over the team uh, I guess in April of 2020, and uh, you know we went through the pandemic, and um, now we're on the we're on the other side of it, and it's just been a really interesting time. I hate to use the word exciting because of the pandemic, um, but it was it was challenging in a in a very positive way. I think I, I you know at least uh, at our firm I saw across the board across our platform and everyone sort of rallying, coming together to support our clients through tough times. And supporting our our team members and employees as well, so um, it just it made me love this place even more than I did when I joined. That's awesome, yeah. And and like you said, you definitely know the the word exciting is definitely you know not necessarily what we use in this particular situation. But anytime there's change going on, it is an exciting time in that you there's different creative ways that you can solve problems. And ultimately, that's, I'm sure, why Cushman brought you on board because of your experience in that arena. And the consulting side, you know, is obviously a very uh, interesting career. I actually came from a consulting background myself as well. I was in IT consulting uh, for five years before I got into the brokerage space. So I can't tell you how much I've, you know, been able to apply the lessons I've learned in, in my experience now into, you know, more of a real estate environment. And, you know, the, the, I feel like the skill set can translate very well. So. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I'll make one point on consulting. One of the cool things about consulting is that you get to see at least I did different industries. So I got to see, I spent a lot of time in retail in CPG, um, a little bit of time in healthcare, a little bit of time in, in real estate. And so you get to, I think the beauty of it is that you get to leverage uh, the unique things about different industries and bring it to the industry that you're working in, right? Business all kind of works the same. Every industry has its own nuances. Uh, and the beauty of it, I think you get a holistic view of just how the ecosystem works. Um, and so I think it's made me a better, uh, leader as a result of like spending all that time doing consulting. I can only imagine. Definitely. No. So, so what in, in particular was what attracted you to the commercial real estate industry? Cause you had mentioned in, in, in your consulting role, it was strategy consulting. You, you, you consulted for a variety of different companies and a variety of different industries. What mm -hmm. was one of the reasons, I guess, that it kind of attracted you to the, the commercial real estate side? Yeah. You know, it, it was simply it, it looked very challenging. Uh, I, I will say, I say to people all the time, I learned something new about commercial real estate every single day that I'm in it. 
Um, it's, it's one of the oldest industries in, in the US, right? Um, and so I think that it, at least the consulting that I did before I joined the firm, it's the leadership, uh, the senior executives trying to find ways to transform the industry, um, you know, to make it work better for clients. Um, and so that, that was what drew me to it. Um, and that's what, why I loved consulting for it before I joined the firm, because you've got, you know, in any real estate firm, you've got all of these service lines and, uh, you know, it's how do they all work together? And what we, what we say at Cushman and Wakefield is that we, every day we try to become more one Cushman and Wakefield. So to take our brokerage services and our global occupier services and our asset services and our capital markets um, and our PDS project delivery services, and how do we create uh, you know, customized or bespoke solutions for our clients that make them successful, not only in the real estate realm, but right, but that actually serve their business objectives, their business strategies. And so that is uh, what excites me. I think real estate touches everything as well, right? It touches work, it touches play, um, it touches everything in between. And so uh, it's, it's sort of, from my perspective, at least, Real estate sort of one of the foundational pieces or one of the pieces of glue that kind of holds the society together. And so uh, I love I loved being uh, associated with it. And I, I love actually more than anything working in it today. That's awesome. No, you're right. And, and you kind of referenced, alluded to it a little bit earlier is the, the, the opportunity for change within the industry. I feel like there is that, especially, you know, now with how we're rethinking the workplace in, in some capacity, obviously, there's still going to be a strong demand for long-term, you know, workforce uh, housing for uh, for office as well. But the flexible piece is coming into play now that, you know, before was somewhat more of a novel idea, although it was definitely changing. I feel nowadays it's, it's probably going to be a big part of, you know, the evolution going forward. Um, you know, one thing I was kind of curious about is, is that transition. Um, you know, one of the things that you know, when we interview all all the, the, the guests that we have had on the podcast, uh, some came from the real estate background. Uh, they maybe had members of their family that were affiliated with the real estate industry, and some just were completely unaffiliated with the industry. It seems like you were following into that category a little bit, and I know I did as well. I guess what was one of the, the, the struggles you faced as you made that transition? And then I guess how, what are some of the lessons learned along the way to kind of, you know, uh, compare to other people? Yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest struggles that I faced the, coming into this is really sort of understanding how real estate works, right? So the value chain of real estate, and the, my challenge was I was looking at it not from a client's perspective, but from like I will say a consultant's perspective, where I'm sort of looking from the top down and necessarily from the bottom up, and so it made it more difficult to kind of understand how every all of the pieces all the capabilities we have in our platform fit together to serve clients right and so i it was interesting because i'm a client-centric person uh but you know coming from the world of consulting it's like i know a thing and therefore i must tell you my thing and so when i stopped doing that and started listening and started uh, making more outreach to my colleagues and i got to understand kind of how things work and and i think it's a it's just natural, right, to get uh, to be you know, very focused on what you're doing or to be siloed in what you're doing. Um, and I think the, our firm has done a really good job of breaking down those silos and, and forcing all of us to think more broadly around the client's problem 
uh, and then finding solutions to that instead of trying to push something onto a client. And and, and I see it more so uh, in our brokerage community uh, more than anything, right? Uh, you know, our brokers, uh, I believe over the last two, three years that I've been here have done a great job of instead of saying like, hey, I just want to close this tenant rep deal or this agency deal um, and get paid. They, they've done a really great job of leveraging all of the resources at their disposal to give the client a holistic solution of which a transaction is a part, right? Um, and so I think I, I, I'm, I'm fortunate to work with some of the best brokers professionals in the world, I believe. Um, and uh, I think, again, that's for me has been really rewarding. I think the lessons learned that I would say is, you know, I think I hit it on a little bit earlier. It's, it's, it's taking that step back and looking at the problems or issues from the client's perspectives. Um, you know, m there are commonalities between clients, but each client has a unique situation based on their business objectives, their strategy, their you know, challenges in the marketplace, et cetera. Um, and if you do that, uh, you're able to, I think, serve them better. Yeah, I know. Providing that bespoke approach, like you mentioned, because each client's going to be different. And and I imagine if, 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 and this is something that's happened in my business is if you tailor your approach to each client and you serve their needs, you become that trusted advisor, which, you know, that's ultimately what we want to become is that if they have an, a need or, or a thought about real estate, you're the first person they call in, in this case, and it would be Cushman Wakefield. And obviously there's a suite of products that you can offer them and services that you can offer them to better, best suit whatever their goals are. Um, and, you know, the, you want to be involved in those discussions, even if let's say the primary discussion isn't even real estate per se, but real estate touches it. You want to be involved in that discussion because that's what trust advisors do, right? It's like calling an accountant, exactly. it's calling a, a lawyer, it's involving someone who is a professional that, that, you know, you can trust for the rest of your, your career. So, yep. Uh, yep. It's a, exactly. It's a, Smart approach. So one thing I'm now curious about is obviously you are, you know, the head of America's for flexible workspace. And, you know, I, I know we have talked about, I mean, in the past, uh, co-working pre-COVID, obviously COVID hit, and now it's become kind of morphed into, you know, kind of a, a new way of, of thinking. I, I was kind of curious, what would you define as flexible workspace? And I guess, how have you seen it shift since we've ex what we've experienced in 2020 and beyond? Yeah, so I, I would make a flexible workspace, uh, I think is a more broad term. Uh, in the Americas, we've sort of narrowed our scope. We call it flexible office now. Oh. But it, it essentially uh, what it is, is uh, two, two parts, I believe. It is sort of non-traditional uh, office around uh, when we, with respect to a lease, right? So it's a shorter term uh, which is one key element of flexible office. The other key element is uh, sort of plug and play, right? The expectation is that your space will be fitted out already um, and you'll just like, you know, plug your computer in and, and be ready to go. Um, so you don't have that piece of, you know, a, a, a traditional lease where you're having to build out your space and do all that stuff that's already done for you. Um, and then the key part, uh, that I think uh, is getting a lot more attention today is the uh, experiential part of it, right? So, uh, you know, having not only your company's, uh, you know, logos, or your company's culture be a part of it, it's, it's more broad than that, right? It's how do you connect 
uh, your team members within your space, but more broadly, how do you connect tenants across, uh, if you're looking at it from a landlord or investor perspective, how do you connect your tenants uh, you know, across floors more broadly than the building, which goes to amenitization. So those are the key sort of differentiators uh, that existed pre-COVID. Now, now what I will say is during COVID and in the, this post-COVID world, uh, those uh, unique attributes are temporary and we're seeing that. We're, so we're seeing uh, things like spec suites, for instance, right? Which are, it's, would be considered flexible workspace but not necessarily flexible offices, we define it. We're also seeing on the investor landlord side, a, a push to differentiate their assets by amenitization, right? So they're programming their spaces differently. They're designing or redesigning their, the amenity spaces within their buildings to attract new tenants, but also to retain the tenants that they already have and elevate the experience in their buildings, right? So um, the exciting part about this is that I think we were seeing some of these trends before COVID hit, and this was gonna happen anyway, but I think COVID accelerated some of the changes that we're seeing uh, in the flexible workspace, flexible office uh, sector. That makes sense. So are you seeing a lot more landlords now deciding to you know, just re reconfigure their entire building to fit this particular model? Or is it one of those things where you're seeing a, a, a slower shift to Maybe if it's a multi-tenant multi office building, having several floors be kind of follow this model or as others are long-term or I guess, how are you seeing that evolve in, in, the, in, in, in the broader landscape? Yeah, I think from a demand perspective, right? Uh, and I would say demand perspective versus execution, right? Because there's a whole ton of complicated work that goes into that. Uh, from the demand perspective, we're seeing investors and landlords ask for this more. So they're, they're saying, all right, I need... I need amenities in my building that are uh, state of the art and I need flexible office in my building. And that could mean, uh, you know, I want uh, a flexible office provider. Uh, we call them flex operators in my building, or I want to do it myself. So from a demand perspective, we're seeing a lot of that uh, across the board um, from an, from an execution perspective. I think that's the tail end of it because this is new. Right. And so every single deal that we're working on is bespoke. Right. It is uh, it, it, there's a ton of work in it because you're taking a landlord that's used to. And then there's a capital markets viewpoint on this as well. But you're taking a landlord who's used to getting a five year lease, 10 year lease, 15 year lease. And that's it. Right. Then, you know, the, you do your build out, uh, you work out your lease terms and then you're done versus a flexible office or a monetization scenario in which. You know, if you if flex providers don't want to take leases anymore, because that's why a lot of them struggled or went under during the pandemic. So they want management agreements. Okay, so uh, a landlord's like, okay, well, that's not guaranteed revenue. Um, and so there's a lot of complicated work into trying to get uh, it to look like something that's market rent. Um, and so there's a ton of work in that. And so we're working through that with with landlords and and investors. And I think we'll get there. Uh, we have done some deals and I think we'll continue to do more deals, but it's going to take a while for that to kind of work its way through the system. But I do believe that, you know, five years from now, it will be more common uh, in the U.S., I should say. And in, in, in Europe, it's a little bit different. They're more accustomed to management agreements in EMEA than they are in the U.S., but I think the U.S. will get there. 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, I can definitely agree with that. And, and obviously the, 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 one of the value propositions for a uh, flexible workspace is the, I know for a lot of landlords out there, it, it's tough to, you know, fit a space every time a tenant moves out. It's very capital intensive. Whereas in these scenarios, you can fit a space with, you know, base configuration and then, you know, you provide it. Is it typically fully furnished or are there, you know, typically agreements where, you know, we could provide the furniture at a cost or how does that typically, all right. And how's that evolved, I guess. Yeah. So if you're working with uh, a, a flex operator, like, like a WeWork or, or industrious, it's, it's fully fitted out. Right. So the FF and E is, is a part of that flexible office providers uh, model. Right. So it's all fitted out already. Um, if a landlord or investor wants to do it themselves, then FF&E becomes, you know, a, a, an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, and there are companies out there that actually do this. Uh, so it's not a huge issue, um, but you're absolutely right, right? You've got the, the, the plug and play already built out space, ready to move in on day one. So you can execute a move in a lot faster. You can also execute a ramp up or ramp down faster as well, right? And so that's, that is a value prop for, for flexible office. I would also say another value prop from a, a landlord investor perspective is you can bring in, if you've got a uh, you know, small, medium business in your building, you can bring them into flex, flexible office space. And as they grow, they can grow into a longer term lease as they grow, right? So that is, I, I think from a, an investor landlord perspective, that's a really key uh, uh, a very, it's a very key sort of differentiator for having flexible office in your building. Yeah. You become almost an incubation, like you're incubating businesses that eventually could absorb larger footprints within the, the, the building. That's so right. interesting. And there's, and there's a, yep. And there's a whole, a, a, a whole lot of work around, you know, where is that tipping point, you know, for, for a company uh, that is in flexible office uh, that wants to go longer term lease. And we're, we're seeing some interesting trends, especially in the tech space. And I'll give you a quick example. So usually, uh, you know, probably a year ago, uh, a, your average tech company would say, all right, we're going to put, you know, a, a team of you know 15 or 20 in a flexible office space. And then when that team goes to 25, 30, we'll look at something more traditional. That's now increased to, hey, we're going to put a team of 50 to 75 uh, in flexible office. And when that tips, you know, like 80 to hundred, then we'll start looking at a longer term solution, uh, longer term leasing solution. So we're seeing things fluctuate and it's obviously it's based on back to office and, you know, sort of the uncertainty around the, the economy these days. But, um, so we're busy trying to help our brokers, uh, and our clients figure this out. Definitely. Well, that's amazing. So you kind of alluded to the, 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 some of the initiatives that you guys are taking on to, you know, help your clients better serve the, the ultimate tenant and vice versa, right? Just that symbiotic relationship. What's, what are some of the initiatives that you're kind of excited about uh, that, that obviously you and Cushman are taking on to kind of become a leader in that space? Because like you said, you know, over the next five to 10 years, there, there will continue to be an evolution. And, and the hope is that, you know, you guys are leading the charge when it comes to that. Yeah. So for us, it's, uh, it's all about uh, continuing to make our overall platform uh, better. Um, and so from a flexible office perspective, what we're trying to do um, 
is the, the sort of some of the following things. So partnerships are key to, to making that happen, right? So we uh, really form, I think, really strong partnerships. We have a partnership uh, with WeWork, for instance. We've got a partnership with other uh, flexible office providers. Um, the, the partnership with WeWork is really around uh, being market leading. So creating those new solutions, being on the, the cutting edge or leading edge of creating bespoke solutions for clients, both on the occupier side and on the landlord investor side. Um, uh, and so, you know, WeWork does some things really well. Uh, we do some things really well. And so that, you know, combining uh, those superpowers, I think will be uh, very beneficial for us. Internally, what we're trying to do is leverage technology uh, to democratize uh, what we do in flexible office for our brokers professionals. Uh, so we're building some technology platforms to make it easier to find flexible office space, which has been traditionally hard to do, um, you know, unless you go to an aggregator or something like that. Um, so we're doing that. Uh, we're also beefing up our advisory capabilities, right? And so when an occupier or a landlord or investor wants to do something, we want to make sure that we're able to provide them the quickest, mo most comprehensive uh, you know, advice uh, to help them and help our brokers professionals help them uh, solve for their problems. No, that's that's amazing, and and like you said, supporting the the, the brokerage side is is obviously a big part of of the initiative as well. Like because you said, I mean, I know in in situations, and I'm I'm not part of a large brokerage; we're more of a boutique brokerage. But I've definitely see, uh, had a lot of calls from people who are like, "Hey, we need you know this amount of office space, but you know we're looking for more of a flexible option." And you know, I can imagine mm -hmm. at a large scale that that you guys operate at you know, those requests are starting to come in more and more and being able to effectively service your clients, obviously back to the advisory role, maintaining that strong advisory position with your clients uh, so that, you know, going forward, they know that if their needs change, you guys will shift with them uh, to help them yeah. accomplish their goals. Yeah. And and I, I'll, I'll say this about at least our organization within Cushman and Wakefield. And my philosophy, ergo my team's philosophy is that our clients are our brokers, professionals, our, uh, you know, GOS account directors, uh, et cetera. Uh, they have the clients. We are a part of our colleagues' teams to help deliver the best solutions. And so I think that philosophy uh, has been very successful for us is that my team isn't out looking for clients, right? That's not, that's not our role, our purpose here. Our purpose is to create the best part of the flexible office platform within our larger platform to help our, you know, brokers and, and client-facing professionals do the best work for their clients possible. That's yeah, that's amazing, really. Um, so one thing I'm kind of curious about, uh, and this is something we touch on the podcast quite a bit, and this is pertaining to, you know, the digital side of, you know, our our industry. Uh, historically, as you probably know, I mean, the 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 real estate side, the real estate business has been very slow to adopt different types of technologies. Uh, you know, obviously on the, on the brokerage end, you know, digital marketing and, and other, uh, you know, social platforms has been integral, an integral part of the marketing that, that I do in my business. And, you know, I know other professionals as well. You know, you've been recognized as well in the, in the LinkedIn side, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken with, with the CRE, uh, CREI uh, summit, uh, kind of curious about, you know, what is, what is the logic that you're taking as far as, the, the, the social side is concerned. And then, you know, where do you see that 
you know, hopefully helping you in your career going forward? Uh, if I understand the question correctly, you're asking about the social media side of things. Yeah. Digital, um, digital marketing and, and, and yeah. social, yeah. Social platforms. Exactly. Yes. You know, so I think if you're looking at it from, uh, like a team or company perspective, uh, digital marketing is, is, is huge, right? It, it can be huge, I would say. And I think it's super important. Uh, but again, I, as I said earlier, I think you have to look at any capability that you're trying to leverage. Uh, that's out there from the perspective of the client, how's this going to serve the client? So, or how's this going to help clients recognize that like, we, you, you should come to us for whatever it is that you're looking for. So that's number one. So I think that if you're looking at leveraging, um, you know, digital marketing, social media, et cetera, you should look at it from that perspective. You're trying to generate awareness, right. Of your capabilities. Uh, and you're trying to, uh, or generate awareness that, you know, there's a space that you can have. Um, but I still think that the power of that doesn't reside with the marketers. The power resides within the business, right? And so if, if, if there's a, and I use brokers as an example, because I think they're, they're sort of like, you know, out in the field every day, uh, you know, doing the hard work for our firm. Um, it's the marketing or digital side or flexible office side or whatever the subject matter expert is. It's their job to uh, help our brokers and client-facing professionals understand the capabilities and how to leverage those capabilities to serve the broker, to serve the client. Marketing doesn't exist for marketers, right? Flexible Office doesn't exist for the people on my team. It exists to serve clients. And I think that is, at least in my experience doing strategy consulting, it's one of the pitfalls of leveraging any kind of technology is we kind of let the technologists run with it, right? So like, hey, we're going to build you know, an instance of Salesforce. And then we let the Salesforce people run it instead of the business, like saying, this is what we want, build it this way. Um, and so I think that, A, we do a really great job of having business lead initiatives here. Um, and, and to go back to the original point, again, I think that social and all that stuff is really great, but I post on social media in service of my firm, like mm -hmm. where the, on LinkedIn or, or whatever. And like we all have to have that mindset, right? It's and if you're a broker, obviously you're trying to build your business and and make people uh, see you as that trusted advisor. But you do that within the service of the firm, right? Of course, no, yeah, it's 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 and that's the broad approach that that the that the company and you have taken to you know build awareness pertaining to whatever initiatives you guys are are championing. And and again, that's you know the, the, the these these platforms serve a purpose. And I appreciate you saying the. Uh, you know, the build it and they will come approach. You know, I feel like that's, that happens a lot in tech where it's like, it sounds like a good idea. And then you build it and you're like, oh, wait, no one's really going to use it. Or, you know, they, the way they use it is completely different than what you originally thought. And so, you know, having that mindset where it's like sit, taking, taking a step back and realizing what, who am I trying to serve by engaging in this type of, you know, uh, this, this solution essentially, or this, 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 in this case, social or digital marketing or whatever else. And then from there, you know, I think it'll be a more effective way to be able to build notoriety for yourself or for the for the pe people that you ultimately are trying to serve. So that's a very smart uh, yeah. approach. Yeah, technology is just a tool. It, you know, mm -hmm. real estate, commercial real estate uh, is a people business, yeah. right? And so it's our people that drive that. And, and it's our job as subject matter experts and whatever it is that we do to, to provide those tools and to help them again 
uh, be able to leverage those tools in a way that best serves them and their clients. Absolutely. I'll, I'll get off of the soapbox now, no, but that's, no, but, that's but, sort no, of like it's a pet true. peeve of mine. No, it's a, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're there to be of service to others. And I think that people understand that, you know, people can tell that, that what, whether someone's being genuine about something as well. And, and again, it, it resonates with people. And if it resonates with people, then ultimately it's serving its purpose, especially if you target the appropriate uh, parties. So, so, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're, we love to share on this podcast is, uh, you know, we're all very voracious readers. I, I love to read a variety of different books and a variety of different industries. Our listeners do as well. I'm kind of curious, you know, if you have, you know, maybe one or two books that you have, you know, really valued in your lifetime and it doesn't have to be real estate related. You know, some of my favorite books and my most impactful books in my life are not real estate related. They're completely different than, than what I, you know, I do on a day to day basis. So I was kind of wanted to ask you what, what were some of the most impactful books you've ever read? Yeah. So my favorite book, um, I've got a couple, but my favorite book of all time is a book called the fusion of innovations. I can't remember who the author is quite frankly, but it's a study of, uh, you know, you've heard of the Gartner hype curve and all that stuff. Right. But it's an actual like real life study on how innovations or changes, new things kind of work their way through society. Um, and so it, it, it goes through, I think the book, the first use case is, there is uh, some immunization or birth control thing in Peru and the government says, this would be a great idea. And so they, they go out to you know, the hinterland and it fails utterly. And uh, they realize like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, we thought that the, you know, the, the men in power, the ones that made those decisions in all these tribes and it's actually the, the women that make it. And so they had to go back and like redo it. And then it, it worked. And it, it takes examples like that all the way to, you know, uh, you know, technology, the iPhone and, and all that stuff. And it, it really gives a study on how humans work, right? And how to essentially uh, incorporate change in a way that will be successful uh, across the board. And so that's, that's like one of my, one of my favorite books. Uh, you should definitely read it. Um, it's, it's only like three or 400 pages. The second book, that I love. Um, it's, it's called the personal MBA. I think it's a guy named mm -hmm. Kaufman that wrote it. Yeah. Um, that book is amazing. I, I do not have an MBA. Uh, I have a master's in English literature. Uh, and so it's like, do I go to grad school for, you know, get my MBA or not? And I struggle with it. And so I bought this book, um, essentially, and it basically taught me accounting and taught me all these like really sort of core business concepts. Um, and it's amazing. And whether or not you have an MBA or not, I recommend that you read it. It's, it's a fantastic book. And then I, I'm a huge uh, history nerd, uh, specifically around the Civil War. So I, I'll read anything at all about the Civil War. So there's a great book about Pickett's Charge um, that I love. And, you know, there's some books about Abraham Lincoln that I love, um, some books about some of the Southern generals that I love. So uh, anything history related, specifically Civil War but definitely the fusion of innovations and uh, personal MBA, I think are, are really great books for life in general, but also for business. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the fusion of innovation and it kind of, you know, the, the idea that you kind of referenced there is the, you know, the, the, the change management piece, which I know that, you know, it's, it's impressive when I, when I was in the, the IT side of things, that was one of the biggest struggles we had was trying to, you know, put people in a position to succeed with this new technology when they had been using a, a certain technology for many, many, many years. And, 
you know, the kind of the battles that occurred as a result of us trying to, you know, make it work uh, for what they did. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and, and really like that you had mentioned too, it's, you don't, sometimes you don't even know, even if you, you could prepare as much as you can for something, but until you put it out there and realize, Oh wait, maybe some of our assumptions were not exactly what we had thought, then you ultimately pivot. Uh, but yeah, I've, there's been many times in my life where that's the case. So I'm really looking forward to reading that book in particular. And, and I, and I agree with you on the, uh, the, the history side. I, I love reading biographies and I've, I just recently read one on 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 Grant, uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Um, it was a I've read very that, very long book, but it was very in, in, insightful. And it's one of those books that you know you don't really understand the the dynamics that occurred, and until you dive into his his past and get a feel for you know the decisions that were made and why they were made. You know, so that that that's one of the things that I really love about biographies, in particular biographies about presidents and captains of industry because it's you start thinking about oh you know now i kind of get what their logic was when they were put in this position in their lifetime and you know you may not come across the exact same situation or be in the same position but you can draw on those experiences in the future and hopefully you can make maybe better decisions going forward or you know at least have a frame of reference or a lens with which to view a problem that can potentially lead you in a different direction than you would have if you hadn't read it so uh, yeah, it's very, that's very well said. You know, when we look at Grant or whatever, we see the outcome, right? Like he won mm -hmm. the Civil War, he was president of the United States, but you don't really understand or learn the lessons that I think are, are good for an individual until you dive into the story and see like, like this situation, he had to make this decision or that decision or that decision. And then you understand more about like how he thought and like what he learned. And so it's, or she learned. Uh, so it's really, really awesome. Absolutely. And you realize sometimes there's shortcomings. I mean, we're all, we're all humans, right? So we're all not, we're not perfect. Uh, and then grant situation, for example, he, he blindly trusted individuals and that can cause issues, especially if you're not checking trust, but verify type of situation, because mm -hmm. you're in a hierarchy, like the, the, the U S forces and you say something and it needs to be, it gets done. Whereas in a, in a, in a more, you know, fluid structure like politics or other things, there's more, you know, it's more color, there's more color, at play when it comes to the, the way it operates. And so, you know, kind of taking a narrow focus as opposed to more broad focus to really understand the environment you're in can cause issues. And so, you know, you, you kind of learn about that. You say, Hey, <laughs> you know, yep. it's a, interesting. there's a, there's a, mil there's a military term called, there's a military term called inspect what you expect mm -hmm. Just trust, but verify. Right. And he did, he didn't, he wasn't good at that. No, no. <laughs> He's like, do it. And he expected it done. And then it just never happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny so uh you know you know we greatly appreciate your time norm uh you know obviously uh you know you know we understand you're a busy man and we're really look uh, looking forward to hearing what our audience has to say about the podcast episode i know i gained a lot of value from our discussion so i'm looking forward to hearing uh, feedback as well one thing we like to do near the end of the podcast episode is we like to ask our guests to contribute something to what we call the CRE treasure chest. It's a repository of resources that we like to make available to our audience. And, you know, we've had people contribute helpful PDFs, Excel sheets, uh, you know, a variety of different things that we, th that, that the guest feels would be of value to the audience. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity to share what you're willing to contribute today. Yeah. So we, we publish every quarter uh, something we call the state of flex. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, it's uh, and over, over the pandemic, it's actually gotten super comp more comprehensive. Um, and so there, there'll be some stuff about workplace strategy in there. There'll be some stuff about flexible office in there. 
Um, and it's it's not voluminous, but it's also not a couple pages either. So I think that would be a very uh, good thing to add to the treasure chest. So looking forward to putting that in there. Absolutely. And you guys typically release this on a quarterly basis or is this a, mm-hmm. it is? It's a quarterly basis. And, and generally it's internal uh, or to our clients specifically, but we'll go through and, and make it uh, you know ready for you know, public consumption. Oh, that's great. No, we greatly appreciate that. Cause I know you guys, you know, spend a, a lot of resources into, you know, generating this data and then, you know, writing reports to help your clients and, and the broader audience as a whole understand, you know, the movement of, of different property types and different uh, initiatives that you guys are taking on. So obviously we greatly appreciate you will, being willing to do that. Absolutely. My pleasure. Definitely. No. Well, Norm, we greatly appreciate your time. Like I said before, if people want to learn more about you or maybe just connect in some capacity, you know, obviously you've, you've provided a ton of value and you know, the, the, the fact that you're also in the strategy side of, of, you know, a brokerage, I don't, I don't know how many, we haven't had too many, you know, uh, interviewees that, that have, have been in this, in this arena. And so I'm sure we, we do appeal to a broad audience, but a lot of the people that we also talk to, or as far as the, the podcast is concerned, are, you know, younger people in their career that are looking for different opportunities within the commercial real estate industry. So if they were interested in learning more about what you guys do, uh, how would you encourage them to reach out? Yeah, this is the easiest way to do it, but it hit me up on LinkedIn. I think I'm Norman Doucet uh, on LinkedIn. I'm Norm Doucet internally, so it gets weird sometimes, but um, I'm Norman Doucet. Just hit me up on LinkedIn. You can find me. Absolutely. And for those of you guys who are listening, we're going to go ahead and include the link in the show notes below. So if you guys are watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description. If you guys are listening to this in a podcast format, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it'll be in the description as well. So again, thanks so much for your time, man. We really do appreciate it. Uh, if you guys are listening to this in a podcast format, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. It really does make the world a difference, and it's really helped us with our reach as far as the podcast is concerned. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, we would greatly appreciate it if you could like and subscribe to this channel because it really does help with the YouTube algorithm and ensures more and more people can hear this message and learn about the many facets of commercial real estate. So thank you all so much for your time, and we'll see you all next time. Oh, 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 oh,